Hello, everyone. Welcome to this Patreon-only podcast. Today, I have with me Aaron from Nomad Nations. And for those of you who don't know him, maybe you want to introduce yourself a little bit. Tell all of us a little bit what you are doing. Yeah, sure, Bo. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Um, actually, the reason that we connected is because I have a YouTube channel where I review backpacks. And the reason that I started a YouTube channel reviewing backpacks in a lot of ways was because of your inspiration. I, I loved your channel. Oh, I've been following oh, you wow. for a long time. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a self-proclaimed backpack nerd. So I saw yeah. what you were doing. And I, um, well, I guess let me give some backstory about me. I'm 33 years old. I'm from the States. And I run a brand called Nomads Nation. Can I just interject? Please. Do you have like a, a background of being an actor or a comedian or something? Because you have such a cool energy in front of the camera. So you feel very comfortable in front of the camera, right? So I do kind of have a background. Like as a kid, when I was from the okay. ages of like eight till, no, maybe eight till like 12, I did a lot of acting then. Um, not to oh, toot yeah. my own horn, but I was um, <laughs> I, I was Oliver Twist in the play Oliver Twist. Uh, I, oh, cool. I was Pinocchio in Pinocchio, so I was kind of a star <laughs> back in the day. No, uh, I'm just oh, wow. I'm just I'm just. <laughs> I uh, I have well, very that, that, those are major roles, right? They, yeah, they were yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so you know, it's it's no big deal. Uh, you know, 11 years old playing Pinocchio and Pinocchio. No, but um, so I wouldn't say that I really have any acting experience because since I've been 12, I haven't done anything like that. I um, mm. I just always wanted to start a YouTube channel. I've been doing internet marketing and running my own businesses as an mm -hmm. entrepreneur for about 10 years now. And mostly I've done that in like the blogging niche, right? So I started mm -hmm. Nomads Nation about 10 years ago as a blog. Um, I'm not great at a lot of things, but one thing I've always been comfortable with is writing. So I started as mm -hmm. sort of a writer. I was traveling a lot. I wanted to make some money online. My goal was to be yeah. like a, a world-renowned travel writer, right? And that didn't really pan out for me. But what did end up happening was I learned a lot about internet marketing, you know, because you have the blog. And then you're like, okay, why is mm -hmm. no one reading my blog? And then you're like, wait, what is this SEO thing? And then, then I started learning SEO, you know? And then it's like, yeah. okay, people are coming to my blog, but why aren't they converting to my email list? Oh, I have to do mm -hmm. conversion rate optimization. So that just kind of uh -huh. led me down a path of getting into internet marketing um, and then um, I've been growing Nomads Nation ever since then as a website, and then I started a YouTube channel a couple years ago. Maybe just as uh, an information, you live in Hong Kong right now, right? Yes, so I'm from the States, but, um, but I haven't lived okay. in the States for probably 10 years, so I started traveling. Oh, wow. Yeah, I started traveling at the age of like 23, and um, I, w I lived in Portugal for a while. I was doing the digital nomad thing in Thailand wow. and Mexico and Colombia. Um, but yeah, I am currently in Hong Kong. This is home for me. I've been in Hong Kong on and off for about six years now. So do you speak Mandarin? <sighs> Actually, in Hong Kong, the official language is Cantonese. Oh, it is. Yes. Okay. And, so you and speak to, Cantonese? And to answer you, I don't speak either. No. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I, well, that's amazing. I might be, you might think I'm a decent actor and I appreciate that. But one thing I have no talent with is languages whatsoever. So I try, I have like an app, like my little Duolingo and I do some lessons mm -hmm. here and there. And my wife, when she has the patience, will try to teach me a few words. Those uh, mm -hmm. lessons are few and far in between though. Um, but I, I, I make ground like, so my wife is a local. But her English mm -hmm. is better than mine, but she's obviously fluent in Cantonese. And then, but my family on her side, they don't speak much English. So we sort of, I get oh, to okay. learn from them a little bit and they learn English from me and we've developed sort of our own language in the process. And it's, but I guess it's Hong Kong is, Hong Kong is pretty, I would say 40% of the people who speak English. I think that's a pretty accurate approximate statistic. Yeah. I'd say even more. Mm -hmm. I'd say so in Hong Kong, I'd say about... 80% can at least get by with some English and about 40 to 50% are some level of fluency. So do you miss the States? Often, yes. Um, I mean, yeah. I've been here for so long that it, it feels like home. So as to where I can be in the States, I'll even have reverse culture shock and I'll miss Hong Kong. <laughs> but um, yeah, I miss the States a lot. But, you know, there's pros and cons with living anywhere in the world. There's things about Hong Kong sure. that drive me insane. There's things about Hong Kong that I love. Same thing with the States. Same thing when I was living in Mexico or Thailand. So, mm. um, yeah, it's uh, I mean, what about you, Bo? Are you from Germany? I was born and raised in Germany, but my parents are from Indonesia. Okay. It's it's always funny with, with uh, people who have parents from different countries. I have a German passport, 
I was raised German via the school, but my parents tried to inject me with the with my roots and stuff. But there's always like this fight in in me: Am I Indonesian? Am I German? No, I'm German. But then there are like this in Germany. It's basically like you put your parents into a nursing home at some point, right? <laughs> More or less. But uh, then I'm like, I can't do that. I should put my parents in my home, right? But no, I don't want to have my parents living with me, stuff like that, you know? Yeah, because like... by because by Asian culture, at some point, the parents would come yeah. to live with you, correct? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, so it's kind of a balancing act in that sense. Um, you know, you have, especially with the East and West thing, you know, like Indonesian and exactly. German, very different cultures. You know, like my dad uh, was from England, so not American, but more closely culturally related, obviously. So it wasn't quite that dichotomy in the way, in the way that I would imagine Indonesian and German is. Mm -hmm. So you're really multi or well, international, right? So English, uh, dad born and raised in USA. And then for 10 years you have been all over the place. Yeah, dude. Um, I, I never traveled until, like, I didn't travel much. I mean, visiting family in England up until, like, I was, like, 22, 23. And then I took my first international trip, and I was just freaking hooked. It was, like, it was like heroin, you know? Like, I was just, it was, nothing gave me that sensation that traveling did. So um, I did it for, like, eight years nonstop, and it was great. Oh, the last two years must have been rough for you, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty rough. But you know what? I try to turn a negative into a positive where I can. It's enabled me to really put my head down and focus on work as much as possible. Like, you know, sure. I've actually been growing the Nomads Nation YouTube channel over the past few years. So not being able to travel has helped me be like sort of focus and concentrate a little bit. Mm. So I'd like to think that, you know, some good things have come out of that, you know, what was otherwise a pretty shitty situation. Also, I didn't ask, so, can, I, can I curse? Is that okay? Yeah, of course. Okay. Fuck just shit. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you basically... I can kind of construct my next or the answer to my next question to you, which would be, how did your interest in back start? So let me just rephrase that question because obviously it started because you wanted to travel. Or did did your interest in back start the first time you was starting to travel, or did that interest come later? Absolutely not. So when I first started traveling, I just bought the cheapest gear I could. Trying to okay. save as much money, doing the budget travel thing. I don't even, of I think my first brand was like North Face for my like a 40 liter backpack that I used to travel with. Mm. But actually my interest in backpacks came from my businesses, like so with Nomads Nation. So I was writing about different types of travel content, right? And then I saw that some competitors were doing product reviews, right? Whether it's backpacks or different apps or whatever. So, you know, as a mm. blogger or as a content creator, you're trying different content angles. You want to expand a little bit. Cause I was just doing like mostly like travel hacks and like credit card miles and that kind of stuff. So I started to, oh, cool. I started to pivot a little bit, um, just doing backpack reviews, looking for new content angles. And then I was writing about backpacks. I'm like, oh shit, backpacks are really cool. And then it just sort of had this <laughs> snowball effect. And then I found myself yeah. just wanting to write about backpacks more than I did kind of the other stuff. And then I was like, I kind of want to start my own backpack company. I was thinking about doing this. And I'm like, well, the best way for me to do this is just to build, you know, is to review backpacks um, in a way that I can learn more about backpacks, but also mm -hmm. to build my authority simultaneously. And that's why I started the YouTube channel. So for those of you who don't know, Aaron is actually starting a back company, but we will talk to about that just in a, in a second, a little bit later, because I, <laughs> right? <laughs> Putting it down. <laughs> um, so you said you wanted to review bags to get a little bit more knowledge for your future brand, right? So what's your process or your thought process when you approach uh back and how do you look at it and how do you review it especially while keeping in mind that you want to make your own back all right a lot of, a lot of components to that question so um uh so basically you're asking how my approach for reviewing a bag yes let's break it down let's okay what's your approach to reviewing bags i can handle that so um i try to you know coming from a content background with blogging you know with seo and stuff i learned that the more thorough the content the more that it answered viewers or searchers questions 
the more likely that they would stay on your page longer, the more likely that it would be um, for them to, uh, which is good for SEO, right? So it's just a, it's not mm -hmm. attacking necessarily, but it's really just a way to provide ultimate value. So I've mm -hmm. always toyed and tinkered around with different ways to structure blog posts as to where I kept it exciting mm -hmm. at first and then sort of put the meat and potatoes at the end, you know, just to kind of keep people, you know, as engaged with the content as possible, trying to provide as much value. So I took that mm -hmm. from blogging and sort of, I guess I have a blogging frame of mind then when it comes to YouTube. As to where I see it in your videos, yeah. definitely. All of the sections Absolutely. that makes totally sense now that you explain it that yeah. way. And I try to, when I do content, like like a scalable series, like, cause I do, we've done like mm -hmm. 200 bag reviews, right? So we scale that content. So. I want to think as little as possible. So I don't want to think about, oh, what's the next mm -hmm. part that I have to do? So we just have the script, my team and I, we have the same format that we go through in terms of like priority every single time. Mm -hmm. And then all that I have to do is just sort of follow that script and talk about the parts that I think are most mm -hmm. important. So we prepare a little bit, but most of it is just um, off the cuff. Um, and then I'm just really trying to, it's, it's weird because I mean, you know, you're, you're like the OG of bag reviews. So you know what it's like, it's where <laughs> you, you want to kind of like, just, you know, talk off, you know, say as much as you want to say to be as thorough mm -hmm. as possible, but you also have to keep in people in mind people's attention span, not keep making the video too long. So that's sort of the balance that mm -hmm. we try to do at all times. What about you though? Like what's I'm, your process? I just want to say I'm really impressed with that in mind, how you do everything off the cuff. Mm -hmm. Because and that's that goes hand in hand with my comment or my question if you are like comfortable in front of the camera before you did youtube because i feel like whenever you present your review they're not then many obviously you you edit right but still i don't hear that many ums uh pauses you're like you have a really good flow in your presentation and now keeping in mind that you have so much dense information in there it's really impressive I mean that in the in the most honest way as possible because I know that whenever I I just recorded this um, first impressions video of the Air City Pack Pro, mm -hmm. and I started to ramble like crazy. And that video got longer and longer and longer, and that just made me realize how impressive that is that you put all of that information in such well, a very precise well, condensed I totally way. understand and actually I can't give myself credit because I work with a small team right like I'm, I'm the world's worst YouTuber I don't know how to work a camera I've never edited a video in my life um, so I have my okay. my team that does that for me right so oh, that's um, cool. so my first editor um, Tav who is now a freelancer on the channel and does a lot of videos for us on like the side um, he mm. was like, he's Estonian so he has a very northern European sort of attitude where he's very direct with what he means and what he says okay. and he, he, he would just he would take he would never hesitate to let me know that i'm rambling and he would never hesitate to be like all right <laughs> you gotta stop that aaron aaron you're, you're fucking rambling stop cut to the point say it in three lines i'm like okay tab whatever you say but um that sort of collaboration was great because somebody would you know oh. i guess not everybody does youtube that way right so i can only talk about my experience most people are, are mm -hmm. more like you as far as i go one man thing and you're doing the recording yeah, and the yeah, editing. Exactly. So working with a team has enabled me or has allowed me the privilege of getting other people's perspectives, you know, telling me when I'm talking too much, when I could expand more. Like what I'll do oh, is cool. I'll be talking, you know, and I'll and my new editor, um and videographer, she's freaking amazing. Her name is Margaret. She's a genius at what she does. And, um, you know, I'll do something, you know, I'll, I'll say my line, you know, and then I'll be like, how was that Margaret? And she's like, well, you know, I think that was good, but maybe expand upon this one part a little bit more. Oh, that's cool. And that sort of process I think helps um, a lot. And that's given us sort of a unique angle in some ways. I also really like that you talk sometimes to the people behind the camera. Uh, yeah. It kind of gives that, that's a cool vibe. Actually. Yeah, I like that a lot. I appreciate that. So with that, how does all of your reviewing go into um, making or designing your own bag? How does that influence you? Is that, I mean, I'm taking away a little bit from all my questions later on, but I feel like knowing so much about bags, like both of us do, it's, as it seems really hard to make your own bag, right? Because you have to make so many compromises and you always have, you are the reviewer in the mind and then you're like, okay, let's make the bag like this. But if I would review this, would I like this? Would this be weird? Is that something that comes into your mind? 
For sure. When you design your own bag? Yeah. So like, I don't really think about my own bag when I'm doing individual reviews, right? I'm trying to be focused on the review and bring as much value as I can to mm -hmm. the table. Um, but with all the reviews that I've done and the 200 bags that I've touched and felt and, 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 and played with and used, you know, all those experiences are in my mind and I'm, you know, there's, there's things that I know that I like and things that I know that I don't like, like I'm sure with you, you know, you, you like, you just get to kind of get a feel for what you like out of a backpack and what you don't sure. maybe prefer. Right. Um, to be honest, there's very few backpacks out there that I, that I've hated. Maybe I haven't like agreed mm. with their price point. Um, mm. there's definitely a few bags where I think that maybe given the materials they're using, that maybe they're overcharging from my modest perspective. Right. But more or less, like I really don't hate many backpacks. I think they all bring something unique to the table. And it's so interesting because there's so many bags. It's so competitive that everybody can kind of find a bag that's, pretty close to being perfect for them. And that's one thing that yeah, I love yeah. about this industry so much. Um, I'm going, I'm rambling though. What was I trying to say? Oh, so with yeah. the designing of the bag. So yeah, so like for this new backpack, um, for this building a backpack project that we call it on the channel, um, I started with an idea. There was a, there's, after reviewing so many bags and living my lifestyle in a very urban environment, right? Hong Kong is one of the most densely packed urban environments in the world, at least, you know, from my experience. So I knew that there was experiences from an everyday carry perspective that I wished existed that didn't exist. And then I had an idea for a way to solve some of these problems. And that's what we're doing with this new bag. I can't give away too much just yet. Like I was telling you before we started the show, yeah. um, the goal of this project is 100% transparency, right? I'm trying to do something mm -hmm. interesting where I'm bringing people along for the journey where they see it for what it is because it's ugly sometimes mm -hmm. and it's slow sometimes and it's yeah. a grind. But, you know, our, our audiences are really into backpacks, right? It's a really weird mm -hmm. thing to nerd out on, but it, it, it can't, like, we just, we nerd out on it, right? The backpacks are these beautiful, yeah. complicated, amazing companions that you bring with you every day, you know, and you develop a relationship with them. So, Anyways, um, I had this idea for us. Oh, well, back to the building a backpack thing. Um, I want, we're being transparent as we can, but we haven't mm -hmm. revealed the actual backpack yet. That's going to yeah. take place in about two to three weeks. So we're still in the, oh, we're still okay. in the design stages. So what we're going to do yeah, yeah. is reveal the 2D designs in about two mm -hmm. or three weeks. So until then, I'm not going to say exactly what the sure. concept is. We're doing it in a way where we're structuring that everything is going to be published on YouTube eventually. But right now mm -hmm. we're taking care of our inner circle, which is like our email list. So the people on the e yeah, Nomads Nation sure. email list, they get the first look. And then in a couple of months on YouTube, we'll publish the drawings cool. on there. So then the email list just gets like kind of VIP treatment. But um, okay. back to the actual design. So I had this idea for a solution that didn't really exist in the way that I wanted it to exist. And um, I had worked with a designer previously because this is actually my second mm -hmm. backpack company that I tried to start. Oh. Yes. Okay. Um, I tried to start one uh, a few years back and unfortunately didn't end up working mm -hmm. out for some complicated business reasons. But that sort mm -hmm. of experience gave me the tool set, the education, the experience and the network that I needed to kind of just hit the ground yeah. fucking running from day one with this new bag. So anyways, That's cool. my last backpack project, we had a designer named John, another genius. Just He's just so good at what he does. So I immediately mm -hmm. knew that I wanted to work with John. And I told him the concept and then similar to the way that I work with my Nomads Nation team is the way that I work with John is the where I, I don't give like for Nomads Nation much feedback to my editors, like, because they're so good at what they do. Like I will give them feedback where they need, but I, I'm a firm believer in trusting people where they have their expertise, right. And letting them That's run cool. with it because I'm not a video editor. I'm not a backpack designer. So what I did with John was I explained the concept. We did an hour long call and then I said, John, go for it. And then John hit, <laughs> he hit the iPad, you know, it comes back to me a couple of weeks later and he says, this is what I got. Um, and that's, oh, sort that's of, cool. Yeah. And that's sort of where we're at now is to where, so I give him a lot of creative control because he's just good at what he does, but he also respects mm -hmm. my input because he knows I've got some experience with backpacks. I'm not a designer. I'm not an expert. Mm -hmm. I'm an enthusiast at best, but he's very open to my you know, ideas and we go back and forth and it's a collaboration in that sense. And I usually find that works best. So just to, to recap what asked my initial or my actual question is let's, I actually wanted to talk a little bit about your creation process, but you already said a lot about that uh, already. So you basically have a few of ideas 
that the bag needs to accomplish and then he just designs it or how did the process actually work? So we start with like a, basically a general consultation, like, and he's like, okay, mm -hmm. what do you want to accomplish right now? You know? Um, and okay. depending on where I was mentally would depend where that conversation went. I already had spent a few months I know what I want to make. Like I know where I think there's things missing in the market. I know what sort of positioning I want to take with my brand. I know okay. the vibe. I know the customers that I'm trying to appeal to. So I was able to come from that perspective and tell him, you know, I want to appeal to, you know, we're going to be an urban line, right? I, I'm not really not on the adventure side of things. You know, I love, yeah. I love the mission workshops and the, the Ospreys and stuff, but you know, that this is, I want to do more of an urban line. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I want to, you know, I love air, you know, and what they do, but I don't want to do like the basic black ballistic nylon thing, you know? So yeah. I, I sort of laid out, not basic, that's the wrong way to put it. Air has built an incredible brand with their ballistic nylon, right? And what they've mm -hmm. done. But um, I feel like that's kind of theirs and ballistic nylon. I don't think basic is, isn't a negative word. Okay. I think it's, it's a, it's a fair description of, of a very good material an amazing basic material one of the best yeah. there's a reason why so many backpacks use yeah. ballistic nylon and yeah, I guess yeah. you're right but i don't basic, consider it basic no yes yeah. it's 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 it's, no. it's it's a miracle material it really is it's yeah. so versatile and so durable but yeah. i i wanted to do something different right so i guess that yeah. what doing all these reviews kind of inspired me to do is to create something that i thought was a little bit different and where i thought that mm. things were sort of missing and then i just brought that to the table with john and i explained the concept that i wanted to accomplish which is sort of like a three-in-one carry solution um and i explained my ideas and he then just asked me a bunch of questions you know like you know are you cool with um you know different colors you know what, what color are you going for and i'm like i'm open to ideas whatever you think you know so it's it's sort of just like chatting about it oh that's cool yeah and then he's i'm like and then after like an hour and a half it's like cool i got the information i need you'll hear from me in two weeks and then mm. he gives me round one of drawings we talk he goes off repeat repeat until where we are right now mm. and what would you say how does your experience as a reviewer influence that design i mean not necessarily i mean to this question there are two aspects either you can take a look at your experience as a reviewer in terms of this feature works this doesn't work but also in terms of knowing your audience uh, let's let's imagine the um, black amber accordion um, compartment in the TKS yeah. and in the shadow, right? Mm -hmm. I remember that in your review, you weren't that opposed to that idea. You you liked the the accordion in a way because you, if, as far as I can remember, you have a lot of Apple products, so that accordion compartment definitely works. But if we look at our audience there are many people that really it, it was like kind of like a split decision right mm -hmm. some people liked it some people don't so with that in mind that you as reviewer you know what's good what's bad and you know what people like and what people don't like how does that influence well, yeah. your own design there's a lot of interesting questions there right and like let's take the black design uh, the black ember um example mm -hmm. i think it's a perfect example because that built-in tech kit accordion thing is so controversial you either love it yeah. or you hate it right i yeah. really liked it and i should clarify i liked it for two reasons one i liked it because it did work for me i, I use apple products so my airpods mm. fit in there you know and i was able to make it work for myself but two mm. i liked that it was a bold design choice i liked that mm. they exactly. took that risk that's what i was going for yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. and that was really cool to me right so as a backpack reviewer I'm almost looking at things differently as to where I'm looking for something different, right? Something that somebody mm -hmm. brought something new to the table. And I respect that, even though I might not always need that feature, or mm -hmm. I can completely understand why somebody would never want that feature. But having said that, that's what I kind of like about Black Ember, just going on this example, because they're like, here's our audience screw yeah. everyone else. Not maybe not that aggressive, yeah. right? But um, they, they, no, they, no. They're, they're going in, they're going all in, for their audience. And while if I look at the comments section of any of my Black Ember reviews, people hate Black Ember. Like 
really do not like black really? amber. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a lot of black amber I haters. Love, oh, I, I me too. Me I too. love black amber but, so much, but that accordion was kind of yeah, yeah. But like like the, TK, <laughs> the TKS people are not a huge fan of it. But 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 that's no, a, that's a good thing because true. I think that regardless of that, black amber just raised like I don't know three hundred thousand US dollars with their last Kickstarter this last week with the the duffel that they just made have you seen it yeah yeah i i haven't seen the numbers but i have seen the duffel bag yeah so i think that it's a testament that what they're doing works i mean you can create products that are polarizing as to where people not they're not for everyone but the people that mm -hmm. they are for they're going to buy from you religiously right and black ember yeah. has built a, a very borderline cult-like following at this point, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's a testament for them sticking to their guns, doing their own thing, and just, just saying, you know, we're not going to appeal to everyone, and they're not trying to appeal to everyone, and that makes their brand so much more powerful for the people that love their products. So as a reviewer, and I didn't mean to take inspiration for Black Ember or like intentionally, but like now that I'm thinking about it, you know, like Black Ember's approach, I think is the way that you have to go. Cause there's so many mm -hmm. options out there that if you're just doing a middle of the road sort of approach, it's gonna have a middle of the road sort of response. And that's what I yeah. like what Black Ember has done so well. Just as one example. I like the, your answer quite a lot. I, I feel like, especially with the approach of transparency that you are going for, mm -hmm. I think that is a very good direction because I don't think you should go in the middle and appeal to as many people as possible, but be bold in, in, in the features that you believe in, make those features, but also while, because you are transparent, you can say like, okay, we understand that this is not for everyone, but let me tell you why this is good, but also tell me why you maybe don't like it. And I think that for people will be really good instead of like the Apple approach. Like we put this charging cable underneath here because we think it's better <laughs> and that's why you should buy it. But if you like be honest about it and say like, I like this or we believe that this is good because, but we understand that some people might don't like this. For sure. I think you have like a really good approach to that yeah at least in my eyes thanks man yeah it, it's been a really interesting concept so far like the whole the whole process um we're going to make something you know this bag is going to not be for everyone right but we're hoping that it will help solve a lot of issues for certain people and they'll be more excited about it yes yeah, so we're definitely not going middle of the road i mean like we were talking <clears throat> about earlier i don't know the name of the brand yet but we're working with something along mm -hmm. the lines of venture um, because i believe so passionately in taking risks, right? I'm a risk taker mm -hmm. by nature, not just by traveling, but also trying to build a business or a side hustle, yeah. you know? Um, you're somebody who's taken risks, you know, by starting a YouTube channel. It's, it's, I'm sure it's given you so many opportunities, right? Because of that risk mm -hmm. that you took. And so anyways, we're going with the name Venture tentatively right now. Um, and with that, if we believe in taking risks, that means that we have to take risks ourselves. So our goal mm -hmm. is to really try and take some risks with this and hopefully it works out. Time will tell. Cool. I'm really looking forward to see what you're making. But let's let's talk a little bit about um maybe you know that I'm making this little pouch, right? For Patreon. Absolutely. And I and I also make that documentary about how to make bags. So I understand or I have a little bit of knowledge how incredibly difficult it can be to make a bag right yeah. so i would really love to know from you what were what have you been experiencing in terms of difficulties what was the most difficult process so far in this whole endeavor sure i mean now remember for the building a backpack project um that we're on with nomads nation we're only about three and a half months in, but I also have my mm. previous brand that I tried to launch that I can pull back for experiences from as well. And by the way, you, yet again, your influence, that documentary that you made, we reached out to Tocindo and we ended up using, oh, cool. we, you ended up using Tocindo in my last brand. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So um, they're, they're, they're awesome over there. I'm not ending up going with yeah. them for this new brand. No, nothing against them. Mm -hmm. They're a phenomenal factory. No, Just my designer sure. has a different factory that he prefers. Um, sure. But... Uh, well, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. What'd you ask? Uh, what was what was the most difficult thing well, in this process, process so far? Yeah, so it's time consuming, right? And it's expensive. Yeah. I guess those two things, especially for someone like me, I'm not a designer. I'm not, I have no graphic mm -hmm. designer or, or soft 
product design experience. So um, I have to outsource that. And a really mm. good product designer is not cheap. You know, like they they charge. Of course. I mean, yeah, a lot. You know. And then also, I have no experience with production management, so I have to outsource that as well. Thankfully for me, the same person that does the design does the product management. So it's just one person as opposed to dealing with multiple people. But I would say swallowing the biting that bullet and like the the cost for that um is definitely a challenge like trying to figure out mm -hmm. as just a, a normal small business owner how to budget for that um where to cut costs how to you know be able to afford investments like that so that could be a challenge but really the really biggest the biggest challenge right now is just the supply chain crisis right so covid mm -hmm. has backed everything up china still has a zero covid policy which is really complicating supply chains everyone around the world is pissed off that their backpacks are 50% more expensive than they were two years ago. And that's taking four mm -hmm. weeks to ship. This is all because of the supply chain crisis, right? It's materials, it's logistics and everything. So that's the process. That, that's the hard part, I guess, is um, everything's just slowed down exponentially mm -hmm. because of how backed up things are. So I yeah, guess, yeah. I guess just going with the process, accepting that things are expensive, um, accepting that things are slow on the supply chain line and hoping that it all works out in the end. And then on the other side too, one thing that I'm terrified about is not terrified is a strong word, but uh, is like shipping and logistics. These, this is, oh, a, yeah. this is a skill set that I don't have that I have no experience with. I'm starting to learn it. I've, I'm, I'm educating myself. I didn't know how to make a YouTube channel and I figured that out, you know, um, mm -hmm. like, you know, I think resilience is really important when you're doing a new company um, or a new brand, but that's something that I, that's a big, bridge that I have to cross for me is learning about shipping and logistics and inventory and 3PL and all these different things. So when you start yeah. a backpack company, it's not just, I'm going to make a backpack. It's like, you know, I have to, there's all yeah. these different aspects and sort of juggling these things simultaneously while also trying to make, you know, a brand. I've got a graphic designer who's helping with the branding and the logo. Mm. Um, so it's about juggling all these things simultaneously, which I think I don't want to scare anybody off though. It doesn't have to be that way. I talked about this in the first episode of Building a Backpack. One way to negate these difficulties or, or, or circumvent them is to partner up with co-founders, right, who have complementary mm -hmm. skill sets. Like, so, Bo, you're really good at marketing, right? Um, you know, th that might be your expertise. And if you wanted to, you know, join team with, like I say, a three-way partnership with somebody who handled the designs and the production, mm -hmm. you handle the marketing, and, you know, somebody else were to handle the logistics side of things. That's a way to sort of neutralize costs or even eliminate costs, right? Um, mm -hmm. And then, you know, you um, can expedite things as well. So as, as a long roundabout answer, it's just sort of looking at all the pieces that are required to make this yeah. launch happen and then figuring out how to make those pieces fit them in. Yeah, I think what the most eye-opening thing in terms of cost for me was when I was at TAS Indo doing the documentary, it was like, when we make a product, we need to keep in mind the role of fabric and the machine that has to be turned on once. And when it's turned on, you have to run it through and you have to take into consideration the pricing of one roll. So if you make just one bag, for instance, like as a exaggerated example, you need to keep in mind, we need to use the whole roll, right? Yeah. Because we need to buy this fabric of, I don't know, 50 meters, 100 meters. And then we have like excess fabric. So there are so many factors in mind that I didn't really think about, you know, like when you put this roll of fabric onto this machine, turn it on and then have it to cut all of the, what's it called in English, all of the stencils, the parts of the bag. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't even think of that and why it is so important to have like a minimum order quantity because you have to order the right amount because you can't just buy one zipper. You have to buy in bulk and stuff like that. I didn't, I knew it, but not like really consciously. So seeing all of those factors come into play was really eye opening to me. So my question or my segue to the next question would be pricing. Mm -hmm. um, because if you are a consumer, you actually only see the end pricing. And you just said in the introduction of this uh, conversation that as a reviewer, 
sometimes you argue about prices about an item if i if i remember correctly so with that in mind are you afraid of finishing this project and seeing all of the costs coming down but you know i need to price the product like that because the fabrics were expensive the r&d was expensive is that something that yeah kind of frightens you or do you already have something in plan because i know so many of my viewers or not necessarily my viewers but people who are searching for an item go to that product and especially considering backpacks are a niche they're like you pay 300 dollars for this gorak bag are you serious so and we know that some bags especially like black amber they need to be have a specific price point because the fabrics are expensive, the construction is expensive. So is that something that kind of worries you now knowing that it's a very cost-intensive process? And what's your strategy about that? It worries me probably in a way, but probably in a way that would worry any backpack company or any company in the world right now, right? As you know, with, with mm-hmm. higher costs in production and manufacturing, um, they have to pass that on to the customer, right? And then you get inflation mm-hmm. and, you know, we're sort of where we're at now. So, yeah, I mean, it is intimidating in some ways, but yeah. it's also... That's a good word. Yeah, no, it is, um, you know, because mm-hmm. you know, running a, a YouTube channel where you review backpacks, like people get pissed about prices you know like they really do i get it like not everyone can afford a 350 dollar everyday carry backpack or want to afford that right and you know i guess that goes back to like positioning though because you know you've reviewed a lot of bags you can review a backpack that costs 20 us dollars or that costs 600 us dollars mm. and there's backpacks by you know premium design companies like Chanel and Dior and stuff that you can charge five thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars for, right? And yeah. I bring that up, yeah. and I bring that up not because I think it's worth it for Chanel or Dior, because it's definitely not in terms of what you're getting from a quality perspective for what you're paying, but it shows the power of positioning. I think that you know, GoRuck, for example, one one reason. All right, well, one reason why backpacks can be so expensive is like if they have lots of different pieces, right? You know, like I remember my last mm-hmm. backpack brand, we had like 200 something pieces, right? I mean, it's a highly technical backpack and the one that never launched. And GoRuck is actually a lot simpler in some ways. There's not as many pieces. It's still a complex bag and it still uses great materials, but do they need to charge as much as they do? I don't know. Having said that, they do charge as much as they do. And GoRuck, I mean, you think Black Ember has a cult-like following. GORUCK has the cult-like following, right? So while they're going to piss some people off because their bags are three to 450 US dollars before shipping, right? They've still done something right in that sense as to where they've positioned themselves and they're not trying to appease or appeal to everyone. They, hey, this is our target audience. They're this people who make this much money a year who are interested in fitness, um, this particular set of fitness. They probably like X, Y, and Z um, and they just go for it. And nobody else will really buy GoRuck, but the people that fit that mold buy GoRuck products religiously. Mm. So back to the pricing thing. Yeah, I mean, it scares me in some ways, but I think that if you have a quality brand like GoRuck. Actually, to be honest, GoRuck is my biggest inspiration in the world for this new backpack brand. <laughs> and I haven't ever touched a GoRuck product. I've never reviewed a GoRuck bag. Really want to. I keep trying to get a hold of them. They ignore my emails. Answer my emails, GoRuck. I want to review one of your bags. They don't. Please. No. They don't. They don't. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> they are I sticklers. Mean, GoRuck is such a is the reason why I don't um include pricing in my reviews because I paid for my GR zero. I think it was like 80 euros shipping and 50 euros, um, custom fees. So that's why I don't include pricing because I'm telling everyone, Hey, I have no idea how much shipping will be for your country. And especially no idea how much custom fees is that could affect the price of the bag that or the item that you want to buy immensely yeah and, so i don't and also price prices change like i remember i did some boundary supply yeah. reviews very early on in my youtube channel and i included the prices and they've like doubled their prices since then like the errands mm-hmm. i think used to cost like 
160 and now it costs like 250 or something not quite doubled mm -hmm. but I'm exaggerating but so I, I also try to keep prices out or i mention as of recording this is the price but mm -hmm. it can change and yeah like you yeah, said yeah. the shipping and everything but back to the goruck example even though i've never uh reviewed a goruck product i emulate what they've built i admire it mm -hmm. because okay. they are a premium yeah. price point and they have a cult like following. it's a lifestyle it's a lifestyle yeah. and that's what i'm trying yeah. to bring to my side of things as well. I want to sort of mm. be a go ruck, but on the more urban side of things. I'm not really, mm. I, I go to the gym, but I'm not like a fitnessy yeah. freak or type person, you know, like I, 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 yeah. I like to work out, but like I, I want to try and build that lifestyle sort of product yeah. with this new brand. Um, and then hopefully if you can speak to someone and you have a message and a mission that resonates with people, they're more likely to you know dish out a little bit of extra money if you know yeah, your yeah. beliefs are aligned but having said that yeah, yeah i mean it's still scary um cargo prices are so expensive right now yeah. materials are expensive so you know um I, I tell myself though if other backpack companies can do it i think that i can do it so mm. time will tell again and and again i, I think your goal of being transparent will help a lot and explaining pricing i feel like so many companies are like okay this is our product and you have to pay two thousand dollars for it we don't care why mm -hmm. and i think that rubs people the wrong way but as soon as you explain it for me as a freelancer as well when people ask me about how much a specific task will cost mm -hmm. i will always like break it down completely i will not tell them okay that it will cost this much no but i will tell them okay i need so many days i need this kind of equipment we have to do this and that and that and then that like much more understanding where something costs x amount of money For sure. and i think you being transparent in the process will help you to I think alleviate so too. any questions yeah because we're going to be using like like it's it's to be more of a premium product you know more in line with like not emulating peak design, but like peak design pricing, go ruck pricing. So it'll be mm. on the more expensive side. Um, but yeah, it's um, pricing. It's, it's a tough one, but yeah, you're yeah. not, you're not going to make everybody yeah. happy. Uh, it, well, no. what I was going to say is um, usually like, so in my experience with building backpacks and sort of networking and like talking to people, usually you're paying about five times as a consumer, what the backpack costs to make. So if you're spending mm. 300 bucks on a backpack, it probably cost about 60 US dollars to make, give or take. That's not, oh, that's a rule of mm. thumb, right? So normally, you know, when you're paying, if you're paying 50 bucks for a backpack, it probably only costs 10 bucks to make, so on and so on. So mm. um, that's usually the rule of thumb. But oh, that's interesting to know. I didn't know that. Usually, but that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. Like there are some brands out there, like I'm not sure how much Nomadic pays for one of their backpacks to be made. I would think it, that their multiple is a little bit higher. Um, I think that for the materials and stuff that they use, that they charge probably more than that multiple, but that's their business. They're more than welcome to, and some people love Nomadic, right? A, be a better example would be a Birkin bag. Not sure if you know about those bags. Those are fashion fashion bags. I just I only know about them because my wife knows that, because she says like, all of your viewers, or not all, sorry about that, those viewers who complain about pricing on my channel should Google a Birkenbag. A Birkenbag is made by MS, I think. So uh, some high fashion designer. And they start at 20,000 euros. No, I think 15,000. Uh, I think the most expensive is up higher because they make like snake skin and stuff like that. But their cheaper versions around 15,000 are just made out of regular leather. And there you have to ask your question, is the production cost really that high? I'm going <laughs> to go out on a limb here, Bo. I, I think it's not. No, no. I'm sure it's higher, you know, but, um, but that's an interesting, you know, perspective into positioning, right? And pricing. Like, yeah, exactly. That's probably a thriving business, you it's know. It's just a brand. It is. It's yeah, a brand. It's just a but brand. But it speaks yeah. to people. Or a Chanel bag. Or a Chanel bag. Or yeah. even just like I, yeah. I recently reviewed the, the Fjall Raven, the Konkin bag, you know, which yeah. goes for like 100 USD and like that, that, that probably cost them. With the mass that they can make, the production, the scale they have, it probably cost them yeah. $3 to, dollars to make. a really interesting video because I was questioning that bag as well because it is one of the most popular bags here in Hamburg. Mm -hmm. 
like every hipster, every mother is wearing that bag and they start giving that bag to their kids. And I'm like, you put in there like five kilograms of bag, uh, of books. And that's just touch such a tiny strap on that tiny person. I'm not sure if that's healthy. I don't think so either. They're going to have to put some load lifters on the concrete. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's... I will have a few um, more broader questions. I know you are a backpack reviewer, so I'm not going... You're probably making a, re a video about that. I'm not going to ask you about your favorite bag or top three bags. Um You want, you want to, to answer that? Sure. Sure. Yeah. What's, What's your top three bags? Top three bags. Um, for EDC, Modern Day Fair. Um, I, I, I love cool. the Modern Day Fair bag. It's not quite perfect for me. If it stood up by mm -hmm. itself, and I don't love the aesthetic, it's not actually an aesthetic that I like, but I think that it's a functional masterpiece for my lifestyle, okay. living in Hong Kong. So with my answers, keep my, you know, my highly urban lifestyle into consideration where I'm walking everywhere. You know, if I lived, okay. if I drove a car or a motorcycle, like you, it might be different. So modern yeah. day fair is my favorite backpack. Uh, my favorite travel backpack is for one bag carry. It's probably the Manal 3.0 or the able carry max. That's if I'm traveling light. Mm -hmm. if I'm traveling heavy Tortuga outbreaker, that's like, if I got oh. all my gear with mm -hmm. me, you know, like because the tech, The tech compartment, that thing is so beefy and so mm -hmm. protected. And then I have a new favorite sling. Um, I just got the Bellroy Melbourne a few weeks ago. Have you heard of it? I haven't checked out. Not I heard of it, but I haven't checked it out yet. I'm in love with it, dude. It's 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 amazing. Okay. It's the best sling I've ever used. It replaced. I like the Black Amber TKS, and I really love all air slings. I can't pick. They're mm -hmm. all so great. But the Bellroy Melbourne has become my 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 go-to. I carry it every day. I'm in love with it. Cool. Next question: What's your favorite EDC? So that's the modern day fair. Well, I get actually no, no, not not bags. I mean, uh, everyday carry like wallet. What's your what's in your pockets? What's in my pockets? And what's well, I guess, the favorite item? I guess that would be like in what's in my sling because I never go anywhere without my sling. Okay. So um, uh, let's see. That's a good question. I'm always testing new wallets because I get sent wallets to review and I, mm -hmm. I have to test them out. Right now, I'm using the Bellroy mod case wallet and I'm a big fan of that. Mm -hmm. Um aren't you afraid to lose that? I don't like putting my um means of payment into my phone because if I lose my phone or I lose everything. It's a great point. And I'm, scary. I'm actually I'm gonna quote Chase Reeves here because I just watched his best wallets review and he nailed it. And I didn't think of it this way. He's like He said the same thing. He's like, I know people tell me if you connect them, you're more likely to lose both of them. But he's like, but actually having both in one means that my, I, I will never lose it because I'm double as concerned about it at all times. Interesting. And he said that and I was like, shit, I never thought of it that way, but I took, cause I've been doing it that way. And um, so good point. that would be my counter to that. But I, but let's just say you do forget it, then you're screwed. Right. So I, I understand yeah. where you're coming from. That's why I usually keep okay. like a backup stash just in case. But it's, That's a good point of view. I like psychologically that. speaking. Yeah, it does work because yeah. like, yeah, my, it, it, you're very adamant about the location of your phone. Mm. Um, Uh, aside from that, I don't know. I got my AirPods on me at all time. I'm an avid journaler, so my regular size moleskin goes everywhere I go uh, with a couple of pens. What's regular size for you? A5? Uh, this size? So Or just the, the pocket size. size? No, not the pocket size. A5, that one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so that comes okay. with me everywhere I go. I journal two to four times every single day. So um, that's. Are you really journaling or is it kind of like bullet points? journal in terms of to do um a little bit of both my journal is okay. my business marketing strategy blueprint it is my to-do list and it is my therapist as well so um i I'll, i'll go through emotional things in my life i'll go through business ideas really just anytime i need to get something out of here and see on paper i, I it goes in my journal so mm. that would i i journal as well but i, I I'm thinking about doing like a bullet, bullet journal and like do to do's, but I'm so OCD. I don't want to mix my journal with a to-do list. So, so you put everything in one book. So I usually I've migrated. I'm a very organized person, like, like anally. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I've migrated most all to-do list stuff 
digital. So I use, okay. I use all to-do lists for dig, uh, digitally. And then I use, I try to separate my journals as well. I try to have like a work journal and a personal journal. Um, but I haven't always been able to do that very well. So I'm still tinkering mm. with my process. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the same mindset that I have. I don't want to consolidate everything in one book, mm -hmm. but I'm too lazy to carry around two books. Right. Yeah. And then you got to um, remember which book goes where and you got you to bring it around with yeah. you all the time. It creates extra complications. So yeah, just having yeah, like one exactly. consolidated journal does have its benefits. No multi-tool in your, uh, in your pockets? Um, I do not carry a multi-tool. I would love to carry a knife, like a small like mm. uh, ABC knife, but the legality around knives in Hong Kong is murky. Same like in Germany. Yes, yeah, very, yeah. very murky. They, um, okay. Since the protests about two and a half years ago, you used to be able mm. to carry a, a small knife with you, but now I don't know what you are and are not allowed to do. Mm. So because of that, I don't do yeah. that. Um, which is unfortunate because I would love to have a little knife for me at all times just for the utility of it. Um, but yeah, no tools. Why should I though convert me, Bo? Like why should I have a multi-tool with me? A knifeless multi-tool. Um, cutting boxes. Cutting boxes. That's a good one. That's probably the most used tool. I use a knife, but you have, there are tools that are knifeless, but still have this kind of box cutter thing and i do have because... one of those from bellroy i think but um i just cool. i just leave it at home so i don't i don't take it around me why do you take it around like are you cutting open that many boxes yeah actually i do now that i think of it we we separate we recycle in germany so we have like plastic um and paper and regular and uh compost biodegradable and i actually see a lot of situations where I need to cut boxes from Amazon or whatever. And then I just, instead of leaving them in the house, I cut them open right at the front of the door and then bring them to the um, trash can. Yeah. But I also, what I like to do when I'm grocery shopping, I sometimes don't want to touch the um, shopping cart, right? Mm -hmm. And then I just look in the store for an item like milk cartons. <laughs> and then I just put all my groceries in that milk carton and which are made out of paper in Germany, not like in US. I think in US they are made of plastic, right? The milk cartons. Yes. Yeah, and in Germany they are also made out of card box. So I look in the supermarket for a card box and just grab whatever I want to buy, walk with that card box to the uh, cashier, mm -hmm. pay for that, go to my car throw everything in there then cut up that box so i don't mess up the trash can and then i put it fold it up into the trash can that's what i usually do because i since COVID, i sometimes don't want to touch the shopping cart no i don't i don't blame you man why not have like a like um reusable tote Honestly, I'm not sure if if you are allowed to put all of the items into that a bag. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, that's actually paying. a good point. Yeah. All right. Good point. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe don't it maybe would... don't mess with that just in case. I I, I don't want to hear that you got arrested for shoplifting in, in Germany. <laughs> so yeah, what's uh, last question is what's the next item that you're looking forward to review? Doesn't be doesn't have to be bag. Whatever. Is there anything that you're looking forward to either review or to purchase for yourself? There's some backpack brands that I really just wanted, okay. like, like I really just wanted to like review a GoRuck bag so bad. I feel so out of the mm. loop, you know? Um, but there's a band, a brand called um, Trake, T-R-A-K-K-E. Are you yeah. familiar with them? From so, Scotland. Yeah, mm. I've, I really want to review one of their bags so bad. Like, cause they're, they're yeah. handmade bags, right? Yeah, yeah. they're really, uh, really good looking bags. Definitely. Not necessarily maybe for rainy, um, they are like have this uh, wax cotton, mm -hmm. but most of the time they are like this top loading fold over closing. Mm -hmm. So I would be afraid to run around with them in the rain, that makes to be sense. quite honest. That's ironic um, though, because it rains all the time in Scotland where the bags are made. You thought they would yeah. have had the rain part on lockdown. <laughs> The, the wax cotton is amazing. Yeah. It, it does hold up uh, rain really well. And if you close it properly, nothing will happen. But I'm sometimes in a rush. And then I just like throw over the the lid. And they have this 
strange uh, metal buckles where you have to like fiddle one metal part through the other metal part. Um, that's a little bit annoying. It looks good, it looks cool. but it's not. Yeah. Yeah, I just like the vibe. Sometimes I, I, I like the way they look. I like the um, I like the the positioning. They seem really expensive. Like I'm, it's just a yeah. brand that I've been looking to yeah. review for a while. I was in talks with them, but then they stopped emailing me back. I don't know. It's a recurring theme here. Get back to me, Tracky. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's because of spam. I noticed that since the start of this year, most of my emails get uh, stuck in spam folders with my clients and stuff like that. And I usually have to call them like three days later. I'm like, did you get my mail with my uh, invoice or with whatever or with my question? Yeah. Like, no, we didn't. I've been having and the same problem. Like, yeah, the, the spam filters are getting a little crazy. Like I appreciated spam filters. You're trying, but like maybe you're yeah. trying too hard, like tone it down a bit because I'm missing like emails from my mom sometimes. Like, come on. Yeah. I'm, and I'm not sure. This, I'm, I don't blame racism. I'd rather blame so many weird um, spam e No. Advertising emails coming from Asia that most Western servers are like, okay, it's coming, it has an Asian name or whatever, so let's flag it as spam. <laughs> it's, it's certainly a possibility, yeah. It's, yeah. it's a decent theory. Yeah. All right. So thank you so much for answering all of my questions. Is there anything that you would like to ask or would you like to plug your channel? I'll do a, I'll do a, a quick minute. Well, actually, no, I, I got one question for you. Where did you yeah, get that sure. jacket? Because that is awesome. That's, that's cool. cool, right? Yeah, it's uh, badass. Uh, <laughs> I got it from, I'm not sure if that's um, international, TK Maxx. That's kind of this outlet store oh, where yeah. they have We got like, TJ Maxx in the US. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this is 6th June. And... To be uh, quite honest, with everything that has been going on since the last two years, I feel so overwhelmed and a little bit depressed sometimes with whatever is going on. So I was like, I'm throwing away all my black tops and black clothing. I can't stand it. I need, I need color in my life. And I'm just like trying to brighten up my own day that's great dude so i got this flower hawaiian jacket <laughs> dude i love it you look balling right now i'm, I'm just wearing this plain blue t-shirt you're making me want to want to go we, your route we we should go all colorful no matter what because it's uh, how was just last no i don't want to end this podcast on a uh, negative note i was just about to ask about gas prices in china but let's not go there it's all right and I, I couldn't tell you anyways because i take the train everywhere so i haven't had to fill up with gas in in years no not not fuel i mean gas for heating oh um oh yeah well yet again it's actually we, we don't have heaters in hong kong you don't have heaters in Hong Kong? No, man. Like, you can get like a like a portable one, but like my apartment's got AC, and that's it. Like it, it gets cold here in the winter, maybe like fifty degrees at the worst. Um, but there's no oh, there's, okay. yeah. that's not too bad. No, no, there's no heaters. So it gets cold in the winter, though, right? You're, you're, you, I, I, from like yeah. January to March, I'm wearing sweatpants, three layers of socks, and a sweater for like three months in my own house because there's no heaters. So um, yeah, that's crazy. I didn't know that. Doesn't it? get like like moist in the walls or something so don't you get mold <laughs> all the walls are, all the walls because... are concrete does that change things yeah yeah, yeah probably. probably yeah yeah, yeah. I, I, my wife and i were trying to hang up a picture and like i just want to drill it in so bad but literally every wall in all the apartments that we had in hong kong are just solid concrete so maybe that helps you need to get those um in germany is the company is called teaser and it's like those sticky but removable wall um, stickers where you have like a hook on there. Yeah. So you don't have to drill stuff. Tell me the brand. Give, give me the oh, brand. Oh. Yeah, give me the brand later because uh, my, my wife would be very <laughs> thankful for that. <laughs> All right. So last but not least, where can people find you? 
You can find me on YouTube at Nomads Nation. That's N-O-M-A-D-S, like multiple Nomads Nation, or nomadsnation.com, uh, Instagram as well. And yeah, if you guys are interested, if you like backpacks, you're a backpack enthusiast, and you just want to see the process of how one is built from the ground up, and not only that, but also get to help vote on some of the key features like branding and pockets and colors and stuff, mm-hmm. then you know, join the, join the email list, and you get a first look at the bag, and you get to help me on this journey and see what happens. Awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Awesome, and my pleasure. Answering all of these questions. And yeah, thank you so much. And hopefully I can have you again as a guest here on this uh, podcast. Absolutely. I'll have you on my channel and we'll do some back and forth. All right. Sounds, Sounds good. good. All right, my dude. Thank you very Thanks much. So much.